action sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy way to easy electronic ways to do that. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet us. Use the uh, Twitter handle sfdiocese and the hashtag ignition. Again, sfdiocese, hashtag ignition. If you don't use know what a Twitter handle is, never mind. <laughs> now, and, and I, my, I have a guest co-host, my new regular guest co-host, Emily Hoffman. Hi, Emily. Hello, Dr. You could have laughed. I thought that was somewhat... I know. I didn't know if that was supposed to be still yeah. part of your no, intro, the, uh, no. and I didn't want to throw everybody off. Cue the co-host's laughter obnoxious at the other host. laugh happening. <laughs> I have Emily, a question. Emily's on Twitter. Yes, Emily. Do you get a lot of questions for... Uh, now and in, then, in yeah. Tweets? In fact, I know... Oh, yeah. I've got one out there. Yeah. Are you good about we'll answering them? Usually, yeah. Keith, Keith, I did get your email. We will, we will. Um, we haven't forgotten about you. We have not forgotten about you, Keith. Keith knows what I'm talking about. Uh, Keith is my the suspense is our, killing our me. regular emailer. There, there's oh, multiple cool. Keiths, but I, we have one in the diocese who is very kind about every now and then writing us questions. So you know, another podcast I listen to does little shout outs of people in the diocese. We should implement that someday. John, thanks for listening. <laughs> Heather, we're glad you're here <laughs> hearing us. <laughs> I don't know who Heather is. <laughs> well, I'm though. sure there's a John and Heather listening somewhere. So I'm sure Gina is listening. They, they know who we're talking. She can get. She can have a shout <laughs> there out. There we go. <laughs> so, um, you know, you know what's something we need that I need to do on a regular basis, Ms. Yeah. Hoffman. Um, Father Dickinson, who's my regular guest. Co- my, my regular co-host, neither he nor I, we, we don't usually introduce ourselves, but we should probably do that in case we have somebody who's listening somebody to the who has no idea who the heck we are. So Dr. Birdwall, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you. So, so I have a doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, just briefly, um, again, Chris Bergwald, I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And as I said at the top of the show, Ignition is is one of the avenues by which we seek to especially inform and equip Catholics in the diocese and anywhere listening to this about more about our faith and about our faith and how to share it with others. So that's... Briefly, me and why I'm doing talking to you, you listeners, right now. And that was what about, very well done. Thank you, Miss Hoffman. And you, who are you? My name is Miss Emily Hoffman. I am from Sioux Falls. I grew up here in town. I grew up in Sioux Falls. Went to school um, at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. And shortly after graduating, um, by no plan of my own, moved back to Sioux Falls um, and started working for the diocese. So I work in the Office of Discipleship and Evangelization. I bring uh, the fun. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) I work with Chris. Hold on right there. (laughs) Um, But work in the Office of Discipleship and Evangelization. One of my main roles for the diocese is to plan um, several of the events that are offered in the diocese throughout the year, including pilgrimages, including retreats, um, really coordinating the details of those um, to give you know people in the diocese an opportunity to 
um, either come and have a conversion opportunity or to come and to go deeper into their relationship with Jesus Christ to journey on pilgrimage, um, whether that be to, to Washington, D.C. for the March for Life or, for example, to World Youth Day in uh, Krakow, Poland next summer. So I'm coordinating yeah. a lot of those things. And we, we'll, we'll have you back on at some point talk more about particular, well, bo- I think both of those in particular, because oh, I don't be think fun. at Ignition we've ever talked about That them. would be great. I'm sure you've talked about them on Catholic Views with Jerry yeah. Klein before. Yep. But yep. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I'd love to do that. that. So, but what we're going to talk about today is is not that at all. Um, it, <laughs> it is not that. It is not that. <laughs> What's well, not? Why what? is that funny? Why are you laughing I don't know. right now? I just thought it was funny. What we're going to talk about today is not, <laughs> not that. We're, I should be more positive. We are going to talk about what we are going to speak to um, is is really the, the topic of the church. Um, and... <laughs> There's so many things to talk about when we talk about the church, Emily. I hope you're okay with me interviewing you a little bit. That's today. totally fine because you. you I have I, a lot of questions. We were, um, we, we recently had a lunch meeting with some people and some, just based on a scripture. Actually, it was last Sunday's gospel reading um, with Jesus. Just some of the interaction, the conversation between Jesus and his disciples and some other people doing ministry. Um, was just, I think, I think I don't know, for me at least, that's what sparked this topic. When you proposed it, I was thinking of the conversation we had about last Sunday's gospel reading. Yeah. Um, so, ask away. Okay, can I give you my first, this is a big question. Okay. This stems from a y- hilarious... Yeah, what's this yeah, what's this So, I was, I was driving in uh, Brookings last summer, last year, at some point, and I happened to be with actually Father um, John Rutten um, and a few others, and we drove past a church in Brookings that um, was not Catholic. I'm, I'm not sure what the denomination actually was, but on their little signage out front, what's the word I'm looking for? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Their little like the board sign? outside. <laughs> those, well, there's like those little announcement sign. boards. Cut <laughs> yeah. the sarcasm, Bergwald. <laughs> so there was a, a, a sign outside, for lack of a better term, <laughs> that said, um, Church established um, 33 AD, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not sure. I can't. I can't quite remember if it said established by Christ 33 AD or if it was just established by or established 33 AD. Um, and I thought it was hilarious because Father John thought it was the funniest thing in the world. He was laughing so hard, <laughs> and so. But it triggered this question in me of, you know, that church really believes that that they are the church that right. Christ established, and we as Catholics believe that. Um, when Christ established the church, the head of Peter, that it was it was the one holy Catholic apostolic church that he started. So how do, how is it that we know that the church that Jesus instituted, Peter, you are my rock, 2,000 years ago, is the same Catholic church that we still know today? You know, the word Catholic is never found in the Bible. So how do we know this is the same one? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, definitely a question we could spend more than one. Just that question we could take up this whole episode plus many more episodes on. Mm-hmm. But there are a few things that that I um, that that I would mention. I think for one thing, first of all, you mentioned one Holy Catholic Apostolic. Mm-hmm. That you know that's part of the creed that not just Catholics but other other Christians as well pl- pray recite, profess every Sunday, um, in our case at Mass, in the case of other Christians at their worship service. The, the ni- same creed? Mm-hmm. The Nicene Creed. That was, a, yep. There's, Whoa. Yeah, so so this is not a video podcast. So right, I wish it were. Because you're <laughs> so like, you could see my facial? Got, yeah. I mean, I knew that people 
called themselves, um, use the word Catholic yeah. in the terms of it meaning universal, but I did not know yeah. that they actually M- recite the creed. Mainline Protestant churches in particular. I don't know about evangelical Protestant churches, but, um, and so maybe if you're a listener who who is an evangelical Protestant. And we're talking, I believe in one God. Well, yep, the, the Nicene Creed. If you do use the creed as part of your, your weekly uh, worship service, uh, tweet to us, email us, let us know. Tweet us or tweet to us, Emily? Tweet us. Tweet us, yeah. I think. Um, I don't know. Whatever. Get us through Twitter. Just because I'm a young Twitters. adult, you assume that I know, I know these right? social media and things, I know, but I, I really You've have said no before, idea. You don't know. <laughs> Technologically challenged yes. over yes. here. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so, so definitely, like, I know I know in particular like Lutherans, mm-hmm. also Methodists, many of, again, many of the mainline um, Protestant church communities use, recite the Nicene Creed and including one holy, now some of them change it to one holy Christian and apostolic, but many of them say one holy Catholic apostolic, but small c. Obviously, they don't see themselves as Roman Catholic, um, but they still profess the creed. And this is the creed that was written at the, the, the Council, of, Council Nic- of Nicaea. Yep, yep, and finished at Constantinople. So 325, so you know, 1,700 years ago nearly, the creed was, was first written. Which was essentially a gathering of, at that time, Catholic bishops. Bishops, right. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, yeah. So obviously, some of the historical aspects are um, our Protestant brothers and sisters either are, are not aware of, or probably would disagree with what they mean for us today. Um, Is that but, where Saint Nicholas punched a heretic? Yeah, he hit Arius. Arius. Oh, classic! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you better be. Okay, good. sorry. You, can you do better, that as a side note. <laughs> you better be good for goodness' sake, kids. <laughs> So. We need to do an episode on that near Christmas. <laughs> we do. Don't You're let right. us forget, listeners. You're right. We, Send us an email yes, and remind yes, us. Please do. <laughs> Tweet us thing. Um, so, your question though is the church, the Catholic Church, established uh, the Catholic Church the same? Yes, it's the same church established by Jesus. Now, a lot of again, a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters would say, well, yes, but there's a different understanding of what the church is. Uh, so, obviously, even among among Protestants, this is a danger. By the way. Emily, that I, <laughs> I've I've fallen into very early on in my reversion. Not all Protestants are the same. I mean, mm. I'm sure if you are a listener who's who's a Protestant, um, and maybe you're you're a Lutheran, you as you know, you believe some things differently from other Protestants. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it's something that we as Catholics have to be careful of is not painting too with too broad of a brush. Mm. But there are some commonalities among all Protestants that distinguish. Um, Protestants from Catholics. We knowing yeah. there are differences, there's still commonalities. One commonality that applies, applies, I think, to most, if not all, Protestants is an understanding of the Church as the Church is the is more of an invisible reality of all those who follow Jesus Christ. Mm. Whereas we, as Catholics, say that agree. Yes, the Church is those who follow Jesus Christ, but we would say that it does have. A visible the, the church established by Jesus has a visible structure. There there are people we can point to who are leaders. There are characteristics that define the church established by Jesus, and we do believe that the Catholic Church is that church. Mm-hmm. How do we know that? Which is what your question is. I think there are historical reasons, biblical reasons. One of them, though, you referred to uh, Matthew sixteen where, when Jesus speaks to uh, the, the disciples, who, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, uh, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly father. And I say to you, you are rock. 
you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So we look at that, and, and we see Peter plays, had already been playing really the role of, of the spokesman, the leader of the apostles, and he continued that through and after Pentecost. Mm-hmm. He is the leader of, of the church, and all of the apostles uh, passed on their spiritual authority that they received from Jesus. Jesus specifically gave the apostles authority. Among all the body of disciples, the apostles had had specific authority to govern the church in Jesus's name, and they passed that authority on to their spiritual descendants, which is what the bishops are. Mm-hmm. So our bishop, Paul Swain, is a spiritual descendant, if you will, of Matthew, James, mm-hmm. John, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Pope Francis is the spiritual descendant of St. Peter. So St. Peter... Um, as the leader of the apostles, had, has preeminent authority. And that authority is passed on by the laying on of hands, has been for almost 2,000 years, um, down to, in our day, um, Pope Francis, Jorge Maria Bergoglio of Argentina. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's been times throughout history. So, so what you're saying is that the Catholic Church starts with Peter and points to that as the, a straight lineage. Yeah. And again, this is one way. Uh, that we know that our church is the church established by Jesus, one of the clearest ways because of that lineage where we can go all the way back. We would say, again, we would say, if you look at the teachings of Jesus's church, the Jesus's teachings, the Catholic church embodies the fullness of them. And we'll probably get more into this later. We're not saying that only Catholics can go to heaven. We're not saying that only Catholics have truth. Mm -hmm. We're saying the Catholic church is the fullness of truth without error. Okay. Okay. So that leads me a little bit to to another question that I have for you then. Um, this is going to sound so funny saying it out loud, but oftentimes I see, um, great movements of the Holy spirit outside of the Catholic church. Definitely. Yes. Um, you know, profound encounters with, with Jesus Christ that people have Yep. outside the Catholic church. Yep. Um, why is that? Why, you know, without sound, that, that, that sounds kind of terrible, but you know, I, as a Catholic do believe that. The church really has the fullness and the, and the straightest shot um, of encountering Jesus Christ through the sacraments, all of those things. And yet I know so many um, of my Protestant brothers and sisters that are far holier than I am. Um, and that's more of a personal problem, I suppose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but so how does that work? You know, Jesus doesn't limit limit himself to the Catholic Church. No, he doesn't. Because Well, yeah, and that's where, um, you know, it does, you know, sometimes we wish it were more black and white, more simple, but there are certain things about our faith that simply aren't because reality isn't. And this is one of them. So how is it that there's so much holiness outside of the visible boundaries of the Catholic church? Because God's grace is, has always been present and operative in all sorts of places, all sorts of ways, even beyond now, even beyond the visible boundaries, so to speak of the Catholic church. Now we, the church does teach that, Okay. Just as Jesus is the means by which everybody who's saved is saved, even if they're not Christian, so too the Catholic Church is the vehicle by which God's saving grace is mediated to the world, even for those who are not Catholic. Whoa, layman's terms. Oh, dang it. <laughs> um, Let me, so what you're saying, no, go ahead, go ahead. I interrupted a great time. Not Catholics. Uh, um, other Christians baptize. Baptism is a sacrament. So what you're saying is that really Jesus Christ comes in and through the church, established 
by the church. Again, going back to Matthew, Peter, you are my rock, and on this rock I build my church. So Jesus comes in and through the Catholic church. Right. But is not uh, withheld in that, in in the sense limited. that, limited, limited by yep. that. There, yep. There's the word. Yep. So, so really... He's still coming in and through the Catholic Church, the grace that that we're experiencing. But really, and I suppose this kind of makes sense because, you know, throughout history, there's been continued, you know, um, groups that have maybe left the Catholic Church and, and kind of rearranged Lutherans for a great example, you know. Um, so in that way, there's still there's still this great connection in and through the one church, and that's how we're all connected. And the, the, yeah, so there, yes, there's definitely still a connection. First of all, um, so there's even even though there's not perfect full communion between other Christians and Catholic and the, and the Catholic Church, there's still some communion, and it's because of that degree of communion that's there, even though it's limited, that grace is still operative and manifested. Also, I mean, but you just think, like think think of something like baptism or scripture. I mean, to me, one of the reasons, one of the great reasons why our Protestant brothers and sisters are are as holy as they are is because of the, the depth of their love and knowledge of the inspired word of God. What a beautiful thing. Yeah, exactly. So, so they're profound. reading the Bible. Um, they're baptized. The Holy Spirit's operative in them through their baptism. I mean, it makes sense that they're going to manifest that holiness in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Does I that, think that's so beautiful. Well, I think um, to be totally vulnerable. I think sometimes I can kind of be a prideful Catholic. Right. And in my belief that, and, and I do kind of stand by this, I kind of stand, I do stand by that. I do think the Catholic church has the fullness of truth, but I think sometimes I can actually be a little bit prideful in sure. that and thinking that, okay, well, they're not Catholic, so they don't have the fullness of truth. Yet the reality is that there's unbelievable holiness. Right. And be, at work and at play. Right, and just just because they don't have the fullness of truth, just because they don't get every question right necessarily, they still get the core questions right. And they still have access to some of the sacraments, at least baptism. I mean, I think, I I don't know right now of a Christian community that doesn't practice the sacrament of baptism. They not, may not believe everything we believe about what baptism is and what it does, but that despite their lack of belief, what baptism is and does still happens when they practice it. Okay, are you ready for a tough question then? Okay. Well, I think this a, is a tough another question. tough question. Yeah, sorry. Does that Shoot. mean that everyone is called to be Catholic? Yeah, so I'm glad you had a, we we talked Emily and I talked about this and we started talking about it and I said, let's save this discussion for the air because I want it to be a fresh conversation and not sort of a rehashing of a conversation we had off the air. Um Yeah, I short answer, I would say that yes, everybody's called to be Catholic. Um uh, follow-up, initial follow-up to that. Um, that does not mean, the Catholic Church does not teach that you have to be Catholic to go to heaven. So while I would say, and this is my opinion, I don't know, I, I'd be curious to know how Pope Francis would answer your question. I don't know how he would. He he might disagree with me. Um, but I think that yes, everybody's called to be Catholic, but it's still possible for somebody to be saved even if they're not Catholic. Just right. and, then, so the analogy, and that's from the catechism. Yeah, that's that that's definitive that church true. teaching. Yep. That that it's possible for for um, somebody to be saved who's not Catholic, who's not even a Christian, and that's the analogy that that um, that I want to use to talk more about why I think that that uh, my answer to the question is yes. I would also say that everybody's called to be Christian, and yet again, we know that it's possible to be saved without being a Christian. How does that work? 
What exactly? The example that's coming to my mind is um, is the scripture, nobody comes to the Father except through me. Right. So, and I, let me preface this by, I am a cheerleader for divine mercy and, you know, truly believe that, that we have no idea really what the Lord um, does and in his abundant mercy um, at the time of death, at the time of judgment. Um, but I think one of the challenging questions that can come up in this is, no one comes to the Father except through me. So outside of Christianity, how does that work? How o- does outside of Christ? Outside, can you be outside of Christianity and be with Christ? Does that make sense? That's yeah, a question. It, it depends. So it, it depends what you mean by the terms that you use. Again, going back to what we were just saying earlier. Um, all salvation, so no one comes to the Father except through me. No, there's no other name under heaven by which anybody might be saved than Jesus Christ. Right. So it is by Jesus Christ that everybody who goes to heaven gets to heaven. Mm-hmm. But but just as Christ is not limited by the Catholic Church, so too he's not limited by Christianity. Mm. So... Um, let me uh, and uh, let's take the, think about the year thirty five A.D. An Aborigine in Australia will never would never would have had the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Insofar as she responded to the promptings of God in her heart, she could be saved. But it would have been through by, by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the grace that that won that she goes to heaven. Even if she did not know that at the time of Correct. her death. Correct. So even though she was not explicitly a Christian, she didn't know who Jesus was. Um, she did not have explicit faith in his name, in him. She could still be saved by and through him, by his grace. So is so, the difference there by no means of their fault. own fault, or, fault yep. or something? Definitely. Definitely. And I would say that's true. So the the only category of people who the, the church says that salvation is possible for anybody, even an atheist, can be saved again by Jesus Christ. The only category of person who cannot be saved is somebody who knows that the, the Catholic Church is this church established by Jesus and refuses to enter it. Whoa. Okay, let me ask you. This is a probably a personal question. But I know people in my life, um, perhaps married, he knows that the Catholic Church is the fullness of truth. His spouse mm. is not um, interested nor open to the Catholic Church. What does that mean? And I... and. Granted, I know parentheses. Yeah. We have no idea. Right. We, we we all we, we can talk who are in we to generalities. Judge? <laughs> we don't. I don't. We, we don't, you don't know the heart. Yeah. Exactly. Of either of these. Exactly. This man or woman. Um. But just in general, if somebody truly knows, okay, the, the Catholic Church has the fullness of truth. They are. In their, their their conscience convicts them. They 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 are obliged to seek to enter. Hmm. You know, and there are part. I think of you know. Just um, back in August, we had uh, our legacy event, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic event. A lot of the talks are online. Scott Hahn's talks are online. Um, Protestant pastor who converted became Catholic back in the eighties. Uh, great conversion story. Popular conversion story. Scott 
entered the church. His wife, Kimberly, didn't enter the church for another at least, I think, three, if not four years. Hmm. He was convicted of the truth of the Catholic Church and entered it even though his wife was not and could not at that time. Jeff Cavins, I think. Jeff Cavins, I think, is a similar situation, maybe even longer with his wife, Emily, where he was convicted that he came back to the church. He was a revert, came back to the church, but it took his wife some time. Sure. Wow, what beautiful witnesses, though. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be very unbelievably difficult. So do I. I can't imagine. Unbelievably difficult. Yep. Wow, but what a beautiful witness. Okay, so I want to go back because I, I think we, we kind of touched on the question at hand, but is is everyone called to so be I, Catholic? So I would still say that everybody's called to be Catholic. That doesn't. It depends what it means by called. Um, does God desire everybody have access to the fullness of truth? I would say absolutely yes. That's, that's why I would say yes. Does, does God want everybody to have the fullness of truth? I think so. That's why I would say yes. Um, but again, that doesn't mean that you have to be Catholic to go to heaven. So, right. I guess that's why, because, yeah, does, call, does God call somebody without providing the grace for them? Yeah, it gets really hairy. I had a, a conversation almost probably 20 years ago with a good friend and um, professor in Rome, Father Paul Murray, who I think you took mm. a class from, Irish Dominican. Paul Murray. Yes, yes. Uh, and we talked about this once, but, and you know, it just, that's my, my yes is, uh, uh, as a provisional yes, because I'm not completely sure, but I, I think so. I, the reason that it, that it came up a year ago, I was having a conversation with a friend who, um, kind of asserted that his belief that not everyone is called to be Catholic. And so it's, it's something that I've been wrestling with. And I think his reasoning behind it was that, um, for some, that might not be the place where they experience the greatest love of God, which in some capacity, I, I understand exactly what he's talking about because I, I've actually encountered, you know, profound moments with Jesus Christ, not necessarily in the context of the Catholic Church. Maybe it was a, pro, you know, a Protestant retreat or maybe it was even um, in a secular way, right. listening to a secular song, for example, I had a profound encounter with Jesus Christ. So I think that was maybe a, a little bit of, of where I was understanding that he was coming from, yet at the same time, that we are always invited to the fullness of truth. And really the mass, the universal liturgy. Well, that's what I, yeah, I mean, I, it does get iffy because like subjectively, it can be different than the objective reality. Like our, our experience can be different than the objective reality. I think the, the Eucharist, that's Christ really truly present, body, blood, and soul, and divinity. How can you have a greater experience yeah. than, than Holy Communion? Right. But I know subjectively that can happen. That's that's that, right. so that is a mystery that way a bit. Yeah, powerful things, good things to think about. Yeah, yeah, and I just, I mean, just as we're starting to bring this episode to a close, um, a, a couple things. I think first of all, uh, so we rejoice in the fact that God is not limited to His church, and yet we desire full unity of Christians. And and if we love others, we would. I, and that's why I think my answer is yes. If we truly love somebody, we would want them to have the fullness of truth and means right. of salvation. So we right. we would invite others to right. enter in. So it's the, what a great testimony of love, too. Absolutely. We'll talk more about this in the future. Uh, but for today, Can't that'll wait. wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet us SF Diocese. Use the hashtag Ignition when they, with any thoughts, questions, or topics for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. 
click on media and then audio files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.